Welcome to Belpelota, the officially unofficial podcast for the expanse on sci-fi. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about season three, episode five, titled Triple Point. Uh, what is Triple Point? It, the triple point of a substance is the temperature and pressure at which all three phases, gas, liquid, and solid of that substance, can coexist in thermodynamic equilibrium. Oh, shit. It's it's the phase in which Cotillard, Souther, and Wynn can exist at the same time. Right. And there's a whole bunch of like caveats to this and all that, but like it's it's essentially fragile and very unstable. Um, sure. That the, describes the this episode. And man, this this episode was great. It uh, was the the final like fifteen minutes of this episode is just so exciting. And what what really sold it for me because I watched the I watched the 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 first time when the uh, uh, the uh, what do you call it the screener dropped, mm-hmm. and then this weekend I watched it with my wife and it had been that three days later and I was just as like even though I knew everything was going to happen I was just as in, enraptured by those those final fifteen minutes just fucking work. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Uh, they really hold up. And one of my favorite film slash books is The Hunt for Red October. Yep. And I felt like they just lifted lots of scenes and characters in the best way. And I was very delighted to see that one of the lieutenants of uh, Souther, the the male one, uh, is credited on IMDb as Lieutenant Mancuso, which is the name of the American uh, submarine uh, captain hmm. in Red October. So I think right. they're aware of the similarities and oh, maybe yeah. nodding and winking in that direction. But I, I thought it w- I thought it was great. Yeah, uh, it, all- it's one of the it's probably the most exciting episode this season so far. Boy, that's saying a lot. I, um, but uh, isn't it? Like I, I was wrapped during I mean, the this ra- scene. The, the chase was pretty cool. Uh huh. The escape from the, the hitting Mal's... of the weapons platforms was yeah, tense. But yeah, like I mean, it's it's pretty good, and it is also this took the cake for me. This was also very you know tight political kind of thriller territory, yeah. which which the show operates in so well, and just all phases of it, like you know the characterizations, uh, what they're doing with Prax, the stuff with the proto molecule. I'm still a little, still a little not. I, I wish Mao had a little bit. I don't know. I feel like that there is a way to depict his his heel to face heel turn. Uh, <laughs> maybe with another episode, or maybe if if it was Strickland running, continuing to run it longer, so there was like maybe more pr- evident progress before Mal's just like, oh, you're right, just to keep everything. Um, I don't know, but that's a very minor quibble on an excellent, excellent episode. Yeah, um, and, and I think maybe the show has not quite explained it exactly how they should have but i'm i'm kind of buying the Mao thing yeah yeah um, no it's it's i'm buying it i just i think it could yeah. have been a bit better Mao is a above all practical man and right. when he sees that there is a possibility here of communicating and understanding right uh what the protomolecule wants he changes his mind about you know shutting down the project right and that felt very natural to me because before he had no hopes of that. So and, and he, it is. I'm not under any illusions. This is a man who he might not infect his daughter deliberately with the proto molecule, but if she gets infected because she's poking her nose where it doesn't belong, uh-huh. she's he's more than happy to see where that. Well, I mean, I guess not more than happy, but he he will allow it to proceed yeah. rather than try to save her. To and I don't know if the stakes are the entire solar system. Maybe you gotta you know be a little less tenderhearted about this kind of stuff it's just <laughs> you know that that brief hesitation when he finds out may's next in line yeah. i thought that's what kind of brought me back to like okay this is this is this is working adequately at least okay but yeah that was the weakest and it's still pretty strong so yeah 
Uh, do we have anything else you want to talk about? Or I don't think so. Oh, I, one thing kind of fun before we get uh, to started is I know it's it's bemoaned frequently, and last week on the podcast, the lack of merch for uh, The Expanse, and mm-hmm. it came to my attention on Reddit that Loot Crate a couple months ago were, sell, were um, not selling, I guess as part of the Loot Crate, a pretty sweet Rasanati scale model. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was sad because Loot Crates are exclusive. Uh, but then I got on eBay and found out of you can course. buy them for 10 bucks, and I was happy again. So <laughs> I bought four, uh, one for me, one for you, and then two to kind of keep around for future. Okay. Uh, so if, if you if you think 10 bucks is – and I, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with the quality of the model. It's got – it's like, I don't know, five inches long. It's got like a translucent plume detail. It's up – I'm not selling these things. I'm getting no money. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm making eBay people fractionally rich. He's not selling them right now. 20 years from now? No, 20 years yeah. from now when, they're, when this is the best uh-huh. science fiction show of all time and, and they're worth 20 grand, <laughs> maybe. That's why I'm keeping two of them in the box sealed. But yeah. it's, it's cool, and it's got a backdrop of like Jupiter, so it looks like it's flying through space. Pretty, pretty mm-hmm. sweet. So before they're all gone, because you know they are limited and exclusive, maybe maybe snap them up. Oh, the other thing before we get into the episode, oh. uh, I finally placed where I had seen this this guy who's playing Win, named Byron Mann. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I've seen him a couple times, maybe in more than this, but most recently I saw him in Altered Carbon playing the original, like the no. OG Kovach. Yeah. Oh wow! Like the one where he's in the house with his sister or whatever, and they're like fighting the no, no, the yeah, goons. right. Which uh, is weird because when they do the flashbacks, I think it's a different actor. Interesting that they're using. So kind of strange. Okay, um, but yeah, he's definitely in the beginning of that, and I was like, oh shit, yes, of course. Uh, and then he plays he plays Ryu from Street Fighter the movie back oh, really? in the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was kind of funny, but it had been bugging me. Like, where have I seen this guy? His face is so familiar. Uh, yeah, that's no, cool. Um, that's a nice little because I, I we did enjoy Altered Carbon, and yeah. it's funny because I thought he showed up the main guy. Uh, yeah, I thought that he was a better, better Altered Carbon dude than the actual dude that plays the Altered Carbon dude. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. I, I kind of wanted to see his uh, day, days as an envoy. Anyway, uh, shall we get to the episode? Yeah. Uh, before we get to the episode, real quick, some housekeeping. I uh, don't have a lot to talk about this week. Of course, we're still doing the Westworld podcast. It's 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 a lot of fun. Um, it's on Sunday nights, HBO. It's another great science fiction show. Uh, might want to check that out. If you're a fan, uh, we're going to be checking out Deadpool uh, uh, next Thursday, so we'll have it ready for the Friday release. I'm pretty excited about that one. Uh, again, the free version of that will go out that night. And if you're a club member, you can get the extra expanded spoiler edition. Uh, we're also on twitch.tv slash baldmove. Uh, we're streaming every Monday and Wednesday. Right now we're playing through God of War, if that sounds cool to you. And, yeah, check out everything we're doing at baldmove.com. So we are on board the Rasanati's, I don't know, tactical strategic deck, the thing that's got the table, the the, the hollow table. And Alex is kind of giving us the setup that the UN and the Martians are going to Callisto, where the next major battle is going to be fought. Uh, happens to be a Martian shipyard. Um, but all this activity has opened up a narrow window for the Rasanati to make it down to Io <laughs> undetected. They think so. They think so. They don't realize the whole fleet's going to be diverted there. And it, it's kind of cool that um, there's this montage of everybody everybody else on the ship. Like, Prax is getting a gun out, uh, which I was like, the first time I watched them, I'm like, oh, Jesus, is he going to blow his brains out? Uh, Avasarala is reacting to various things on the news, mostly around Arborgast. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're talking about how they have the element of surprise, but that's it. 
Uh, they don't know how many protomolecule hybrids there are. They don't know how many human resistance. But Holden says to Planif, you see a protomolecule monster, you run. And mm-hmm. then they nuke the place on the way out. Seems like a reasonable plan. Uh, next, we see the MCRN Hammurabi rescuing the damaged KC that the crew patched up and retrieves their brash but reasonable young Martian ensign. Uh, and he kind of goes through the corridor and he sees that the Martians are all in on this war, man. Yeah. Uh, they've got pictures of the Secretary General, Avasarala, and Earnwright all defaced with slogans like Earther Scum, Demos Killer, etc. They're just, they're, they're out for blood. Yeah, but I mean, like, it, it's hard to blame them. Oh, yeah. Because, um, like, remember sh- the we can't. Sh- we shattered their moon, man. R- remember the can't. <laughs> like, this kind of shit has been going on on you know the belt yeah. and probably earth and yeah uh, i mean they're they're on their own side in the war yeah yeah, yeah. makes uh, a lot of sense so the captain and first officer their hammurabi are kind of going over their tactical situation uh there's some really good character development where they briefly allude to the captain's sister who was recently killed in a fleet action where i guess martians outnumbered two to one obliterated the uh, human fleet, but at the cost of most of their own. So mm-hmm. we continue to see Mars has better weapons, but much fewer of them. Uh, and uh, they're all currently entering an engagement that's going to see them uh, 20, 23 Martian destroyers going against 51 UNN destroyers. And she is uh, nervous. And I got to say, yeah, this, they'll be fine. this captain who uh, I, I is. Seems to be uncredited within the episode and IMDb uh, is I just think is amazing. She's really nailing this like tightly wound, no nonsense submarine captain mm-hmm. like uh, Scott Glenn played in in Red October, um, and yet I, very discerning as well. Right? She's not willing. She's not a hothead. She's, she's not, not a willing robot. to jump she's to not conclusions. Like, she's not on the. She's just she's. She, 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 I guess it's like any great military commander, like Tom Hanks and Saving Private Ryan, for example. They've got like you can definitely see they're kind of like a warm, approachable side, but mm-hmm. they're also very formidable, uh, no, uh, all business people. And I just couldn't get enough of her fucking performance. And I <laughs> wish I could shout her out, but I, I can't. Maybe next episode. Yeah. Uh, the captain, as you can imagine, is incredulous about this young. Martian story about being captured by... It's incredibly hard to believe. Yeah! Incredibly. Like, oh, uh, James Holden saved us and he patched us up and he sent us off. Oh, and by the way, Bobby Draper was there. Right. Oh, and also Avrasarla was there. Right. Like if, <laughs> yeah, like if Jesus, Eve, and the devil... Because that's like, they all have names like James Holden, the taker. Uh-huh. And then Bobby Draper, the defector. And yep. Avrasarla, the bitch. Like it's... <laughs> They've all got these <laughs> nicknames for him, and and like the the XO is like, oh well, who else? The Tooth Fairy, and yep. he lays it all out for him, and and the captain is very cautious because this is, I mean, I remember watching this thinking like, you got to call this into the Martians, and she's even yeah. shrewder. She calls in the actionable part, mm-hmm. which is the Agatha, Agatha King is diver, diverting to Io, and they're going to intercept it, and she leaves out the whole private message to Souther, um, which I thought she yeah. was just going to keep in her pocket. Later on in the episode, we find out that she... I, I, that's the right way to play something like this, right? Because debatable. She, I think it's debatable. Um, I don't think it's smart I, for honestly, her career. Absolutely not. I, I feel like she maybe should have run this up the chain of command. But this message implicates Marsh, part of um, a Mars faction in the conspiracy as well. You're right. So, like, if you... If, if, like, Souther relays this up to you in, Aaron Wright's just going to intercept it and have him spaced. Like, mm-hmm. that's why I said it's it's very shrewd and risky. 
Yeah. Um, but you kind of get like maybe she, her stomach is full of death. She's lost her family members. She's maybe throwing away her life in this kind of desperate battle, and it doesn't. She's looking for a third way, and this might be it. Uh, this is the first episode where we get evidence of drones in this universe. Oh yeah. Uh, or I'm sorry, droids. Droids in this universe. There's a droid. Yeah, yeah. The the Cylon envoy is here. Uh, I know. I don't. You don't watch most of Battlestar Galactica, did you? I didn't. the The second in command here on the Hammurabi is oh. one of the Cylons <laughs> in Battlestar Galactica. Okay, okay. I was like, did I miss like a chromed out <laughs> no, dude just in the no. background hanging? Because that would have been kind of cool. Nope. Um, no, but I, I thought I thought that was really cool because her just like she she lays it out like so. You want me to contact the enemy captain in the middle of a shooting war to relay a message we don't know is legit for a purpose we don't understand? Yep. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Uh, on board the Agatha King, the first and second officer of the ship, uh, brief Admiral Wynn about the Hammurabi uh, intercepting them. Uh, he's not worried because it seems like he feels like they can take him or he can take it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he but he also doesn't like it's weird. He has this idea that he's going to go to Io and he's going to get these samples. Yeah. And yet at the same time, the ship is catching up with him. They've got a firing solution. He's surprised they're not shooting at them. You really are left, like, in a perfect world, and Wynn's perfect world, how did this go? Yeah. I think in his perfect world, Martian command said step off to the Hammurabi. Right. And and came in and saved his ass. Right. Uh, because, you know, they're in Aaron Wright's pocket. Or he orders the much but larger UN in fleet to essentially screen him while he does his stuff. Or maybe I his... mean, Martians are not in Aaron Wright's pocket, though, right? No, no, no. I mean, no. he's he's just... Not at all. He's destroyed the ship that was supposed to pick this shit up in the first right. place. Yeah, I don't understand what Wynn is thinking here, because this Martian ship can absolutely take him. And we also don't know that... Well, it seems he's just like hoping the fleet will it get seems there, like I assume. The, I, I don't think that's true. I think that the, the Agatha King is a larger, more powerful warship. Um, I it's the flagship don't know about of the that. Jupiter fleet. I get it. In, a single, but, in, a, in single combat... But uh, we've, we've consistently been told that the Martian weapons are better. So I don't know how versus a battleship. But I don't know how, yeah, what that means right. in this context. You're like, right. I really don't know if they can take him. I just know that the captain seemed skeptical that she could take him out, and Wynn seemed confident. And maybe, because we also don't know what his, like, it could be that he was supposed to just get the launch codes and then launch these things thither and yon. We, we don't really know what his orders were. It seems... Oh, I Not, think we do. Yeah. I think he's supposed to pick up the hybrids. Right. He's supposed to pick up the hybrids and all of the materials on the experiment. I guess he's just counting that at the end of the 52 versus, or 51 versus 23 battle, that his ship will be yeah. left intact enough to complete the mission. That's the only thing that makes sense. Seems like it. Um, and he's also wanting to gun ahead IO without taking the seemingly reasonable tack uh, of meeting with the rest of the fleet at Callisto before engaging. So you have overwhelming numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and Souther asks... I think I, it's because he wants to get there first so he right. can clear all that shit off, the, off yeah. of IO. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that the rest of the fleet won't know about it. Right. It's a need to know and nobody but him needs to know. Um, yeah. And Souther's like, well, why are we going to IO in the first place? And Wynn kicks him off the bridge for asking questions. He calls it the CIC, which is the Combat Information Center. It's what it's what non-Star Trek people call the bridge, I guess. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, Avasarala, aboard the Rasanati, confronts Holden as he's making his coffee. There he's now. What a is it? Savage. You... He's a fucking savage using a French press okay. to make his coffee. It's I thought a big that's what French it was. Press. Holy I thought, shit. I thought that's what it was. Um, man, how, what's that? What happens if the gravity goes out? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> In the middle uh... of you French pressing. 
Like it just <laughs> you're scalding hot water everywhere. No, I think I think the French press would still work, right? Does it? Because you're you're manually pressing the water. But is that like liquid tight? Like I would just think that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's got like okay. a, a gasket okay. around the, All right. the thing. Yeah, it'd probably work. I think so. I don't know much. I don't drink coffee. Uh, about a year coffee. Well, pouring knowledge. coffee in zero G would be that would be the problem. We, we've seen people pour in low G, mm-hmm. but not zero G. Right. I mean, it's, it's like there's the that one scene where like there's like a, is it a Martian captain in like season one where she's just like drinking her tea as she's approached. Like that seems <laughs> seems foolhardy and a shit it that does. can go zero G at any time. But yeah. you know, whatever. Uh, so Officer Al confronts him, and she talks about her past and how her father gave the statue of Atlas so she can remind herself of what big shoulders she has. And she smashed it when her son was killed in battle, but did mm-hmm. quit because she realized she was one of the few adults in the room and it would be irresponsible to let the kids play by them. It's a very long and tortured metaphor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Holden really doesn't give a shit. He's like, look, I've been trying to fix things. It just made things worse. And then she says, okay, I'm going to admit that I've been lying to you. And Stephen <laughs> Strait, is that his name? Yeah. He plays this with James Holden's complete lack of surprise. It's it's so great. Like, yeah. like oh, oh, you're going you're gonna to reveal that you're lying, <laughs> huh? Okay. Uh, but she says, I don't want the protomolecule as a weapon. I want it to stop whatever's happened on Venus. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of spar back and forth, and she at the end says, because he says, I tried. He goes, well, at least you did try, even if it didn't work, and you can't stop because you're an adult, not a child. Stop acting like one. I'm, I mean, this is kind of, I guess, flattering to James Holden, but, like, I mean, I guess she's got a point. If you if you have some capability, some some understanding and some power you should try to use it for good you shouldn't just like fucking bury it sure. in the backyard because the reality is if if, if you're capable i don't know but that's the dunning isn't that the dunning kruger effect the smarter and more capable you are the more you doubt yourself mm, and, the, the, and, the, and the and the, the the less smart and less capable are the more you overestimate your own intelligence and abilities hmm. win so, must be a real dumbass then i yeah I, it does seem like he might be more but i don't know there's some <laughs> doubt cast on that as we'll get to um i just i don't know i mean it, it's clearly it clearly sticks in and holden's crawl and i'm fine with that because avasarala knows where people's weak points are and she knows how to manipulate people yeah i do feel like this was a little too uh a little too obvious to have worked on holden you know like she's a known manipulator any conversation with her should be approached from that angle. That should be the baseline. Like, she is trying yeah. to manipulate me into doing what wrong. she wants. So why... I feel like Avrasarla's best stuff will probably have to come through the back channel sort yeah. of stuff. Because to your face, you know she's trying to manipulate you. And and whether she's using, you know, psychology or reverse psychology, you aren't quite sure. But anything she says should be taken with a massive pile of salt. I guess in response, I'd say that it's easier to manipulate into doing something that someone wants to naturally do. Sure. And I do yeah. think Holden does want to save the galaxy. That is his, yeah, tendency, his personality. And also, he's got to be worried about what's going on in Venus. Mm-hmm. Like, left unchecked, who knows what could happen, but it's probably not good. Yeah. I think so, more important, like, most importantly, Holden wants to do what's right mm-hmm. in, in his mind. So... Whether that is, like, in the scenario he's in now where the important thing to them is Prax, mm-hmm. and that's the right thing to do, or right. the important thing is, you know, saving the, the galaxy 
saving the universe. Right. But I guess what I don't understand is, like, even if you could trust Avasaral that she's had a change of heart and she's no longer Earth first, she's like, this is about the survival of the species. You give her the protomolecule sample, she's not going to study it. She doesn't have labs. She doesn't have military scientists working for her. So you have to essentially trust all of humanity, and that's a tall order for a guy like Holden who's been through the churn for these last two seasons. Yeah. Uh, on the flight deck, Alex uh, decides to open up a comms before they go dark again. And what do you know? He gets another message from home. It's another message from his wife saying, I just, just want to reiterate in case you've forgotten. Or maybe <laughs> we that, both hate you. Yeah, we you, we both hate you. Son. Stay away. Yeah. Nope. Uh, this time it's from his daughter, which I was shocked to find out is actually his son. I don't know why I thought that he had a daughter. Does he have a daughter and I a son? I thought so too, but... No, I guess not. Um, but it's a son, and he's out on the Martian frontier, and he says, look, I understand, Dad, that a real warrior sometimes has to make sacrifices to protect what he values, and he hopes to follow in his footsteps, and he's proud to be a son, which really is moving to Alex. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought was was pretty cool. You were, I know in the initial watch, you had some problems with the fact this young kid stomped around Mars in a spacesuit. Yeah, I guess I don't anymore. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The fact that this this kid is out in a spacesuit alone kind of surprised me. Right. Um, but I, I guess in my rationalization, because I imagine a lot of people might be the same, feel the same. But like this kid's mm-hmm. like twelve, and on Mars, like I, I remember like watching Master and Commander, and there's like seven year olds running around loading cannons, and like yeah. in historically desperate and dire frontier type times children don't get to be children and i imagine as soon as you're old enough to uh, work an airlock they put your ass to work on mars mm-hmm. and ch- lots of children probably die imagine the fucking cost though yeah like trying to outfit a kid in a, a spacesuit every year as they grow out of it hand like, me downs man holy shit hand me downs you're yeah, gonna yeah. Use, i don't want to wear my brother like you're like the seventh guy that's <laughs> farted in the spacesuit uh-huh like it's it's yeah but I think that's a point. Like that's another subtle bit of world building. The mm-hmm. the Mars is a tough place. It does not give a fuck about your human thoughts of what is creature comfort and what is civilized and what is. They're trying to terraform this fucking place. Is trying to kill them and they don't give a shit. Uh, Next week, Alex get a, gets a message from his father. He says, <laughs> "You're a shit. You should have stayed with your right, family. Right. He's, family he's, first. There's good cop, bad cop uh-huh. for the rest of the season." <laughs> then, then his mother calls and says, "Oh, don't listen to your father. He's uh, yes, he's uh, just he, upset because he did the same to me back when you were a kid." Right. <laughs> and, and, and Holden keeps saying, "Like, I don't know why you're going dark, Alex. This is not something <laughs> like he's like, no, Captain, trust me. We need to go dark for a week or two. That last message from home was pretty <laughs> fucking brutal." Up. Uh, but yeah, uh, we then go below decks where Prax is getting in some target practice with some, uh, they hopefully let us know plastic rounds so we're not like, whoa, how yeah. are you going to, um, he thanks him for helping him. Uh, Amos says, you can thank us when we get the girl, your girl back. And then Prax says, or get even, which is the next best thing. And Amos is troubled. Like you said, Amos, yeah. like, has he gone too far with Prax? Has he t- created a monster? Has he created... A Frankenstein to fuck this joke up. Well, it's weird because, like, this is, this is, Prax is almost a, I don't care about Prax as much as I care about what he's doing with Amos because Amos is going through this interesting arc where he essentially looked down on anyone who wasn't like him, who wasn't tough physically and mentally and emotionally. And then he sees this guy, Prax, who has really cares about his daughter and is trying to be there for him and him slowly kind of falling victim to the churn, I think is, 
is sad in the way like a white rhino getting cut off, getting killed for its horn is sad. Mm-hmm. It's just like you know, Alex is, or I'm sorry, Amos has found this guy who he thinks is like an is, is impossible fantasy type situation, and he's being degraded by the things that they're doing, and it's bothering him. Uh, yeah, especially I think after Prax got him maybe thinking about his childhood a little bit mm-hmm. in Baltimore um, right. and how you know he had to kill himself right essentially what he said right um so maybe he sees that same change happening within prax and he's a little disturbed by it yeah i wonder where the i wonder what the climax of this particular arc is going to be it's probably going to be fucked up uh probably and i wonder if it's going to because like it can you can either humanize amos or dehumanize him Mm -hmm. and him being dehumanized might be more fun but i'm I'm, i like the guy so i'm rooting for him to 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 heal up a little bit out here. It's uh, all mildly interesting. <laughs> so Souther's having dinner with his captain, and uh, I, I don't think she, they're both lieutenants. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Souther should have a fucking captain. No? Okay, you know he's an admiral. He was a captain. Uh, he was an admiral. Who was a captain? He's a captain right? admiral. I don't yeah. know. And there's like I, I I did some research into rank insignia, and like all the admirals look legit. But here's the thing: I don't care. I know like, you don't. I, I mean. I know plenty of people do. There right. are a lot of people who, oh, if you're in the military setting, we need to know all the ranks and right. And but I understand the basic hierarchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That the the power uh, difference, and that's all I need to know as a viewer. And this is another scene that reminded me of Hunt for Red October, where like Sean Connery's having dinner with his officers and they're talking about the plans, and it's like you know they're realizing that. You know, it's maybe more fraud, but it, it's 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 another kind of. And there's an interloper, like in Red October, is the Doctor. In this case, it's fucking Boyer. Um, and they inform him that uh, they're suspicious. Believe it or not, they're suspicious of this asshole that came in, displaced their admiral, demoted him on his own ship, and then has been exchanging tight beam comms at the UN that he wipes immediately in violation of regulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've also taken the initiative to be in contact with the men and women on other ships of the Earth fleet that Souther has served with and confirmed their personal loyalty to him, which disturbs him as it should. Like, mm-hmm. I met, like, if I'm an admiral and my junior officers come up and say, hey, we talked to the fleet and they're personally loyal to you, I'm thinking, holy shit, this is what killed Rome. Like, uh-huh. like it's nice, but also, like, we're supposed to have, there's a civilian command in the military for a reason if you've, if you've, grown up in a democracy anyway um so he uh boyer comes in and, and and foils the plotting but he's they've given him a lot to thought of they also then give him a bunch of shit about what an asshole his boss is and boyer drops some vague and non-specific information about the vesta blockade which we've heard alluded to several different times this is nothing like vesta it's nothing like vesta nothing uh, and I, this guy was on the Yasharito, which was a ship that got under heavy fire, and he saw 20-some sailors get sucked out of an airlock, and he just fucking hates all things Martian. Um, but I don't know. I, it, I don't know whether this is impressive or not, but the two lieutenants, their faces tell me it's impressive, mm-hmm. which is all that needs to happen, I guess. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking at the scene saying, well, why is this scene here? Because... Right. If I'm being honest, it does nothing to ingratiate me toward Win. Right. Uh, it doesn't matter how much trauma he has suffered, what he's been right. through, what he's seen the Martians do. Nothing excuses the actions that he's taking. Sure. Um, so I really don't know. If, if that's their goal, it failed mm-hmm. in this scene. But I can't think of any other reason why it would be here. I guess maybe it worked on me a little bit more. Like Again, I, I do think... 
you know, what Wynn's doing here is pretty despicable and, you know, uh, uh, for, for, for a variety of reasons. But I do uh, – it puts him more in, like, he's not an evil plotter like Aaron Wright. Uh, like, I don't think he's a political schemer. Like, he just hates Martians. And mm-hmm. if they can serve him out some justice – through whatever means necessary, okay. I think he's 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 just very militant about it. So it adds a little color to his character, but not, yeah, and, not and, and, really and honestly, sympathy. I can think like like maybe he and Ava Sarala would gotten along famously two seasons ago mm-hmm. when she was torturing Belters and and Earth first over all else. Like that's essentially yeah. You know, I, maybe and that's the other thing they they put a character like this to remind us of like what Ava Sarala used to be and kind of recontextualize that character. Uh, but anyway, we're done with that. We're back on board to Rasanati as Alex and Bobby are kind of going over her Goliath suit. And now it's fully recharged, but she's got a limited amount of propellant. Um, she asked a bunch of tactical questions about how they killed the protomolecule hybrid. Uh, and is stocking up for big game. She selects the 6.25 millimeter caseless incendiary round ammunition, which is a bullet that's about a quarter inch uh, in diameter and is on fire. Case, yeah, she seems less than impressed by it. Right. She, what she really wants is something for her grenade launcher. Right. A caseless ammo. I also looked that up because I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't familiar with the term, and I guess that's like a fairly future. It's an attempt to manufacture a bullet that doesn't need a case, like the brass. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially, you pack it in solid propellant, and the bullet is like encased by its own propellant. And it's amazing because it huh. saves cost. It saves like like these rounds are two thirds lighter than yeah. in, than other rounds. But with our material science in the 21st century, they're very, also very unreliable. They're mm-hmm. prone to jam. They're prone to igniting when they get hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're seen as kind of like more of a futuristic ammo. And here they are in the expanse. Nice. Uh, Alex is disturbed to find that she's contemplating standing her ground against one of these in defiance of Holden, and I hope he tells somebody. He he fucking better. But he's not fucking going to. Not this not this episode. Of course, I don't, you know. <laughs> and they're already on the base. So, like, this is a huge mistake by Alex because she is absolutely a liability going she down is. there. She might get them all. She's their, be- she's their best weapon. She's a weapon, badass, but, but she could get them all killed. She's a loose cannon, yeah. like, figuratively and literally <laughs> speaking. Now, I don't know how they stop her. Like if Alex says, "Hey, keep keep your keep your eye on the highly trained six foot tall Martian <laughs> right. wearing five hundred pounds of high tech armor that you guys can't even penetrate with your weapons." But like, knowledge is power, right? Like she, or maybe they just talk. Like you can like solve problems. Like this is something Bobby's discovered. You solve problems through talking. Like I get look, none of us want to wipe off the protomolecule more than you do. All right, for various reasons, no. but but yeah, and I mean at the very least they can be aware that that is a right. possibility because. It's one thing for Bobby to go off and just start killing hope, uh, hybrid proto-molecules. Right. Uh, it's another thing for her to do that and for the crew to be completely surprised by it. Yeah. Because at least they can prepare for, okay, let's watch Bobby. Let's make sure things aren't going to go south. And if we see her going off the right. rails, we can react. I will. And, and maybe because I got to say that the crew is still just fractured or un-gelled enough for me to believe that they would still do things like this i'm hoping that as we go through the story that this becomes an actual crew where they just don't keep things from one another and stuff like that because like yeah like knowing that you've got this marine that's half crazy and half cocked is something that everybody should know it'd be like taking bill paxton in and not knowing who he is my question is why is bobby doing this because the plan is if they find protomolecule down there to nuke it from orbit 
Is yeah. it just like a satisfaction of yeah. personal oh, honor? She's absolutely. a bit like like she's yeah. just personally avenging, but all, all of her her squad mates, yeah, for yeah. sure. But wouldn't nuking them from orbit do the same thing? It's not as visceral. It doesn't feel. Does she as feel good to like her. she's been? I wonder if she's like just she's trying to reclaim some of her personal power too. Like she's this mm-hmm. unstoppable fighting force, and then she was stopped, and these flyboys managed to kill one. It's almost like <laughs> got something to prove. Yeah, there's a chip on her shoulder. Yeah. It's it's titanium and it's bulletproof, uh, and she's got it on the other shoulder too, and it's a whole <laughs> suit. But like, come on, man. Um, anyway, Katoa, surprise, is all grown up now. He's turned. Yeah. He's, he's morphed into an adult actor, uh, and he's in a lot of pain. And Strickland and Mao are sorry, but they don't give a shit because they're going to interrogate him about this whole disassembly and the Arbor Gas stuff. And he eventually starts raving about making things, and they work or they don't work. They can be used or they can't be used. They're building something to cross something for the work. And then the protomolecule starts accelerating, and he starts screaming, you can't stop the work, you can't stop the work. And Strickland's able to slow his metabolism down, which holds off the protomolecule for a bit longer. But we're getting some first-person perspective into what the protomolecule wants and how it thinks. Yes. We don't understand it. And this it, is but... why... Uh, I did not realize exactly why last mm-hmm. episode, but this is why... Uh, Mao changes his mind right. about the whole project. He realizes the potential of being able to communicate in a way that they can understand with the protomolecule and figure out what it wants. How how far along into the protomolecule plot are you in the book? I mean, you obviously can't tell him. Mildly like, interesting. You, you, let me ask you this. Do you know what the work is? Mildly interesting. God damn it. All right, fine. <laughs> you get nothing out of me. Fine. Uh, well played. So the uh, lieutenant... Uh, uses a communication glitch aboard the Agatha Christie to tell his superior lieutenant. Um, well, well, hold on. Do you have any guesses? I, I'm curious to see, to hear what your guesses are. Of what if, the protomolecule wants? this work that they're talking about. I is, fucking yeah. don't know. I guess colonize, I mean, my, my first thing would be to colonize the solar system. Okay. But I, I, I don't, just because it seems like it wants to spread everywhere. But that's like a very science fiction trope, science fictiony trope. I mean, mm-hmm. it's what humans do. Sure. Yeah. Like that's that's essentially what we're doing. We just you know are fully justified because I don't know. We watch porn and make art and uh, uh-huh. and style our hair, so we're superior to a proto molecule that just does it through DNA manipulation and fiat. I mean, I don't know. It is interesting because <laughs> we're like if you look at the humanity in the expanse era, we are just taking over the entire solar system. It's true. We're hollowing yeah. out asteroids, we're repurposing planets, we're terraforming things like I and and you know, honestly big picture that's probably where they're going like is, or you know, or like is is there going to be a hybrid I don't, I don't know, fuck it. You're not going to tell me. <laughs> I'm not going to tell gonna you. I'm not going to speculate right. what's going to happen 7 seasons from now. Okay. Anyway, the the two lieutenants aboard the Agatha King conspire to use a communication glitch as a pretext to Relay a message from the Hammurabi addressed to Admiral Souther to Admiral Souther. And Boyer is very suspicious of their highly suspicious activity. <laughs> and I kind of like that they're – you can imagine these guys aren't good. They're not practiced at deception. Sure. Like how often do, you, do, do your skills of political intrigue and lying help you on the bridge of a starship? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're all kind of hilariously bad at it. Uh, Souther receives the message, but – insist on confirming it because again i like this guy a lot yes he's a hundred percent he's in and it's too damn bad that he's going to take a bullet in the gut and probably die <laughs> uh because he just is every fucking thing is this level he doesn't jump at the first thing it's like he's mm-hmm. like um maybe people would say he's too slow to to act but i i liked it 
And he tells Commander, uh, the Lieutenant, rather, Schaefer, uh, to be ready for anything. Uh, then Souther goes down to the uh, medical bay and orders a sailor out of his face as only an admiral can. <laughs> Get your face out of my way, sailor. <laughs> it's, it's so fucking oh, it's good. it's so good. Uh, and he briefly confirms key details in the message to Kotiar. Uh, I'm actually surprised Kotiar is still alive. I thought that he would have a sudden dramatic deterioration uh, of his health yeah. uh, after Souther poked around the first time. Because he's only a liability. Uh-huh. There's nothing he can do to help Aaron Wright or win. He can only blow the whistle on him. Uh, so he does confirm these details, and I like Kotiar's visible relief in finding the Avrasarala is still alive, but... I, I do think the only reason that Kotiar is still alive is because Admiral Wynn is trying to keep up appearances. Yeah. he's try- He still thinks that Souther is not on to him. Like, he's he's trying to keep things normal. Yeah, because he's already pushing a limit on what is and what isn't normal. Yeah. I wonder what Wynn's plan... Because, like, backing up, what was Wynn's plan? That just Souther would go along with anything and not ask questions? I think so, yeah. He'd be ordered to butt out. Because, like, I feel like he would be, he would have been better to have take going to the bridge very somber and be like, I'm sorry, Admiral, I'm going to have to relieve you of command. We, I am now under authorization, direct authorization for the Secretary General commandeering this vessel for a black ops. Mm, yeah. And then, like. Tell a half truth. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, no, I think that's, that it is author, he has been authorized to do this. I uh, mean, well, not by the Secretary General. No, no, Esteban. And they, and they keep on mentioning Definitely that he's not. a creature of Aaron, right? So maybe he doesn't actually. Like, if, if this got... Yeah, you're right. If this got back to Secretary General, he'd be like, what the fuck is going on? I would think so, yeah. So, yeah, he they are in a rock and a hard place here. Yeah, but he could tell a half-truth, you know? But yeah. Black Op means, hey, I can't talk about it, but I need you to go along with it. Yeah, which was also very similar to how... Uh, you know, uh, Sean Connery took over to Red October. He essentially said, this is an exercise, and because it's an uh-huh. exercise, we have to have radio silence, and we can't confirm the orders, and blah, blah, blah. And, oh, by the way, the political officer slipped and fell on tea and broke his neck, so you just got to trust me. Uh, yeah. You just watch Red October. Watch a 300-year-old movie to see how you work this thing. Win. Come on. It's got to be on Turner Classics. Uh AMC, they went back to movies. <laughs> yeah, they're like, this Walking, De- Walking Dead bankrupted them, and they went screaming back the the classic movies. Yep. Um, so Boyer interrupts Kotiar being relieved about Avasarala's status and storms in and says, Souther, or Wynn wants to see you, Admiral Souther. He's a real prick about it. Uh, Naomi and James talk back on the Rasanani. Uh, she calls him Jim. Is that... She's been doing that for a while, right? Uh-huh. Are we ever going to say, hear the words, he's dead, Jim? <laughs> Probably. Like, like yeah. if you're a science fiction writer, mm-hmm. how the hell do you have the restraint to not do that? Just just casual, he's dead. Like, I mean, people die in the show all the time. Uh-huh. Just have Naomi tell Jim about it, and you're, you're done. You're done. Do Over- you save it for a big moment, or do you just slip it in there when people aren't going to really notice? Do you like wait until like Amos dies? I, no, I don't. No, I think you do. I think it does have to be like a drive-by. Okay, you can't. I'm with you on that. You, yeah. you, you can't drag it out, or it'll start to be. It'll and then be, you do the close-up, and you... <laughs> <laughs> right, you get the ominous horns from Star Trek deploy. Uh-huh. Um, so she levels to him about her betrayal and drops a bunch of info on her past, which I think we knew a little bit about, including her relationship to an OPA terrorist slash freedom fighter, depending on your point of view who always believed that he's doing what was right. Uh, she had a child with him, a little boy named Philip, uh, who he took away from her because she refused to do what he wanted. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're alluding to 
something's going to get people hurt and Naomi I think so just yeah. wouldn't go along with that and desperate to rid herself of her past she ran away on Canterbury uh, and then I think James has got a good handle on her backstory from there uh, yeah so this is new info to me um, okay good. having having read the first three books I didn't know this about Naomi okay uh, I knew she had something that she was keeping and a reason to be on the camp but right yeah uh this is a pretty big development and it for, shows how their relationship and her character specifically how much it meant for her to see an earther care so much about belters and how she envisioned like her son philip trying to get off of the stations and these asteroids that holden has tried and like it's it was really uh it was really moving to her and she yeah. said she's not sorry that i gave the protomolecule to the belt but she is sorry about the way she did it lying to everyone which is fair mm-hmm. like because I, I do think that Naomi probably could have maybe turned people around to her way of thinking. It's like, like, Earth's got it, Mars has got it. Do we really want a situation where the Mm -hmm. belt doesn't? Because then the belt's just going to be between the hammer and the anvil. Right. Um, I don't know. But then Holden says, look, I'm never going to agree with what you did. Right. Um, So I don't don't know if she could have convinced him, but it's... It's a very honest conversation here. But what she here. did encompasses the lying and deception and betrayal. I think it's not like – because he says, I also can't hate you for doing what you thought was right, which I thought is a pretty mature way to take the, uh, the, to take things in, in that direction. Yeah, I, I mean, I read it as Jim would definitely not have agreed to do that. He he would not have given do you the speak, proto-molecule to anyone. Do you speak in the capacity of all gyms? I do, Do you, do you yeah. speak for all gyms? Okay. <laughs> the, the Council of Gyms has spoken. Uh, yeah, We that, would never <laughs> give the proto-molecule to the filthy belters. No, I, I really... That's how I read this scene. Uh, and I guess I guess you're reading it differently. You're saying that he the thing that he objected to was her lying? No, no. I, I don't... I, I guess I... He doesn't say as much. I'm just saying what yeah. he actually says is I can't uh, – I'll never agree with what you did. But yeah. what you did is not just what she did but the circumstances. Like I, Because the thing is, yeah, if, Maybe. if Naomi had – Maybe. Let me ask you this. If Naomi had convinced Amos and Alex that giving the belt to Protomolecule was the way to go – does I, I don't feel like Holden would stand like he's not going to be if it's three to one maybe not yeah um he might he might let that go if but... it's fifty fifty then he's the deciding vote it seems like uh, yeah so I guess having practice around is nice just from a tiebreaker perspective sure. uh-huh. um okay so yeah so they like so that means uh with the fractured crew the quote unquote we started the season with that uh, like Naomi has patched things up with Alex and 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 James but. Amos still probably has a way to go. Yeah. And Praxis doesn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Praxis turning into Amos 2.0. A less badass version, but, you know. Uh, it's like the Hummer 2. <laughs> uh-huh. It's what you got if you couldn't handle the H1. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. Praxis the H2 of Amos's. Uh, so Mao is back with uh, uh, Katoa, the Katoa hybrid now, and he's just... Uh, continuing to shout that the work will be finished soon and he continues to shout soon and he starts going on a rampage and breaking out of the glass they retreat outside and observe him through a blast shield while they run a sedation protocol on him that disables him but strickland says he's no longer human enough to have he communicates proto molecule but he can't communicate with us he's and he can't lo- reverse the process right he's he losing just, his vocal cords yeah. he's losing his organs his it's brain just, <laughs> it's it's not going to work anymore uh-huh. uh and mouse says they need another conduit 
And what would you bet in that second that May was going to be the next closest genetic, genetic match? All of the things I own. All of the monies. All yeah. four of my Rasanatis that are yeah. worth it's, an incalculable fortune. It's <laughs> in 20 years. Uh, circumstances providing. I guess I only have three Rasanatis. I gave one to you. Damn it. That's true. It's sitting there in the desk taunting me. You haven't even opened it. That's like a. That's got to be at least a $40 As soon as you leave the office, I'm claiming it a salvage. <laughs> Uh, lawful salvage. Uh, I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> and you're going to lose your Rasanati. It. Oh, it's it's the most interesting. It's the only interesting option, right? Like, yeah. putting another kid under the, the needle is not interesting right. unless it's May. And it sets up this whole fucking shit show that's going to be the next episode. Yes. Because all these things are converging upon this little backwater planet that Expanse does Dude, so well. The, the it's next be episode so is cl- going to be a clusterfuck. And it, I haven't seen it, it yet, but... It's set to be just... Yeah, I haven't even... Yeah, because we got these, uh, these uh, screeners. I haven't seen the preview, but like... They're literally about to breach the door. Uh-huh. There's protomolecule torpedoes going <laughs> all over the place. There's a massive fleet battle about to start. You got There's... Bobby, who's a loose cannon, wanting to blow things up. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be good. It, I can't wait. It can't not be good. Um, so, yeah, Mal is shaken when he gets the news that it's May, but mm-hmm. agrees to, quote-unquote, make it happen. In case he thought he was a decent human, no, here's this scene. Right. I mean, uh, he was shaken. So <laughs> yeah, he but feels not real, stirred. Yeah, he's real sorry about all the pain that he's causing, but yeah, greater good. Uh, Winston's uh, common uh, a private com to Mal, to Jean Pierre, informing him that his fra- fa- family and funds are freed, and ordering him to transfer launch protocol of the hybrid pods to him on board the Agatha King, and to stand by to receive a team to pick up all materials and resources. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, you can just see the churn starting to form around this this place. <laughs> uh, South takes the bridge uh, and tries to reason with Win. Uh, like I guess they've known each other for a long time; they're on a first name basis. It doesn't work. Um, Win is puzzled when the Hammurabi gets within range, but doesn't fire. Of course, the Hammurabi being Martians much better, so they can fire on the Earth ship before the Earth ship can fire back. Right. Uh, turns out there's a three-minute gap between the Hammurabi meeting the Agatha King and the rest of the fleet arriving, and uh, the captain gives the order to slow the deceleration burn to give, I guess, the Agatha King more time, mm-hmm. which really frustrates her XO. The XO seems like he's a Mars firster, which yeah. probably every other Martian on the ship is. Um, and man, again, this scene reminds me so much of the scene in, in Red October where Scott Glenn's uh, Mancuso is trying to decide whether he can trust this intelligence he's gotten about the Russian captain. And, uh, you know, he goes to Jack Ryan, to Alec Baldwin, and is like, you know, how well do you really know this guy? And she turns to this fucking ensign and says, how well do you know Avasaral and their relationship? And the ensign's like, don't got much of anything. She's mean, yeah. but, but likable. Uh-huh. Uh, and then she, her, the captain explains that the war is a combination of intense emotion, politics, and luck, and this message represents luck, and she wants to see how it plays out to hopefully avoid, you know, wasting all their lives. And Exo still remains unmoved. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to these people next episode. Yeah. Uh, Ross and I is preparing to land in hostile territory. Amos uh, promises to have Praxis back. Uh, he starts to, I think, volunteer his daughter execution services. If it turns out she's turned to the protomolecule and Prax snaps, he's ready for that too, mm-hmm. which really f- bothers Amos. <laughs> Uh, did you did you think I'm interpreting that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so. It's like, hey, she's turned, man. You know, I'll take her out back. Click, clack, plow. <laughs> um, 
they then go to see Bobby below decks. Uh, Bobby doesn't need to strap herself into a fucking crash couch. Yeah. She is the crash couch. And she That's essentially cool. becomes a living support strut as she magnetically <laughs> welds her hands and feet to the deck. It's, it's so fucking badass. It is. And yeah. she's so locked in. Um, she's probably going to get people killed, but mm. she's really cool and I love her. Uh, May's terrified being prepped for the protomolecule injection while the Rosinati, Rosinati makes a very noisy landing and makes Mao and Strickland nervous. I kind of thought that they might think that that was... Uh, the team that he was talking yeah. about. The wind had told him about I mean, I guess yeah. the timing's wrong, but I, I kind of thought there might be a, like, a, what took you so long as they open the door and get blown away? But right. there wasn't that, because the crew arrives at the main airlock, which is sealed, and the mechanism and locks protected by thick armor plating that they're going to have to cut through. Mm-hmm. It seems like Bobby could rip that off or at least blow it open. But... She didn't seem very confident. She but said, then again, it's pretty thick, guys. You don't want to damage an airlock. Or your suit. It's how you're going to get in and rescue the little girl who needs oxygen to breathe. So. Did, did they bring? Did they bring one of those tiny Martian spacesuits? Do they know what size <laughs> May is? Uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Just just put her the, inside. The gunships tra- probably don't carry kid suits. Put her right? inside a trash bag like a goldfish from the pet store. <laughs> blow some, you know. Put an air bubble, rubber. I, I you know. Why wouldn't pet, it work? Pets, this is the pet smart protocol. <laughs> Uh, so the hammer is within firing range, well within, and Souther deduces that they're testing them to find out what kind of people they are, if they're honorable. Um, and, and, and it's all just the thinly, the most thinly veiled, uh, I guess ribbing to yeah, win. Like right. they want to know if we're honorable, right, Mr. Right, Win. Right. Uh, Wynn responds by wanting to fire a full salvo at the Hammurabi. Mm. And Souther says, Asked and answered. Stop mutiny time. Uh, it's a very tense, cool, and very, like, I the, the tension relief when shit just hit the fan and they were taken in custody, I was like, fuck yes, when yep. I saw this. Um, and uh, Wynn and all of his minions are taken at gunpoint on the bridge while he uses the open fleet channel to talk to both Mars and Earth to try to inform them about the illegal war and it's cool everything down. Big mistake. But the fucking lieutenants get so caught up in what mm-hmm. Souther has to say, they take their eye off the ball. Yeah. One of Wynn's men uses that distraction to grab a gun. People get shot. Uh, Wynn draws on Souther and shoots him right through the chest. Yeah. And my emotions are just all over the place. <laughs> because I feel like an autodoc could save him, but you know what that's coming? An autodoc. There's no auto doc that's coming for Souther. Maybe for Win. Do you think? Do you think Souther's dead? I think so. Yeah. Oh, shit. You plus you got you've read the books. Uh, I I honestly don't remember if if it goes down anything like this or if yeah. Souther's even in these scenes. I can't mm. fucking remember. But yeah, I think he's dead. It looks like he's shot like right through, like just below or right at the heart. Man. Yeah. Um. So and when- it, here's a huge mistake that Souther makes. He decides I'm going to issue all of my orders while Wynn is still in the CIC. Like, take his ass to the brig immediately. Also, I get that both lieutenants had both arms akimbo uh-huh. with guns, but you do have to disarm fucking Wynn, man. Sure. Like, if, they, if they'd have taken his gun and, I don't know, put it in one of their empty holsters, and none of this would have ever happened. But... No, I feel like first first thing you do is clear the CIC and lock it down, like Wynn does after the fact, you know? But here's the thing, and Before I think this is why... Before you issue your fleet-wide command. This is why the show is an exceptionally smart show. 
they had set up this elaborate scenario. There's literally seconds between the entire, like, yeah. the Hammurabi's being cool, but there's only three minutes between her and the next wave of, uh, that's not going to necessarily be as cool. Uh-huh. And then the UN fleet is also within minutes, and they're not going to be as cool. So he has seconds to defuse this, or it's going to turn into a shooting war no matter what happens. Yep. So no, it's a high-pressure situation. It is, and that's why it's like everything happens so bam, 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 that, yeah. like, it, it didn't feel too artificial or, or stupid for me anyway no 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 it, it definitely didn't i just feel like southern made a mistake which yeah. is is perfectly reasonable in this right. situation uh win restores order quickly and observes a sizable portion of the unn fleet breaking off and leaving the area of operations win informs the fleet that he has put down the mutiny and prepares to lead them in battle and he orders the ships back but when they refuse he fucking nukes one this really divides the bridge crew, dude. As the vast majority of people at their positions refuse to obey his "quote unquote" lawful orders, and he relieves them of command, confines them all through the brig. Uh, and this is just a taste. Win Win needs to get what's coming to him, right? And like, the, the, I can't wait for it. The division in the bridge is mirrored in the fleet because quickly half of the UNN fleet starts opening fire on the Agatha King. Yeah. And shit really starts hitting the fan. Uh, the lieutenants take this moment of confusion to re-mutiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and lots of stuff happens. The one lieutenant fucking breaks Boyer's neck, mm-hmm. shoots Win in the side. He's a better shot, takes her down with a shot to the chest. Uh, the other lieutenant gets shot in the melee, and Win then re-puts down the mutiny, the re-mutiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, the captain of Hammurabi decides to take this opportunity to stand down and order the Martian fleet to do the same, and then offers, using the UNN channel, truce to any ship that has peaceful intentions and assistance. Uh, Wynn then finishes off the commander as she struggles to reach the other lieutenant, which I thought was a dick move. Yes. You know, like that was pretty fucking cold to put the two shots in her back, you fucking asshole. Uh-huh. Um, when hears the uh, captain, uh, uh, Martian captain's offer of truce and assistance, and appears to do something very brash. He launches just a shit ton of protomolecule hybrid tubes to direct to all directions. Mm-hmm. Like these things take off, and I'm like, well, maybe they're going to remote pilot to some, but then they just take off everywhere. Is he? I feel like he has just fired these on the fleet. Oh. Both the, both the Martians and the UN stuff. I think that they would go to the same place if it was attack, attacking a fleet, though, wouldn't they? Well, they'd probably... I imagine they're coming in from different directions. I don't know. My uneducated speculation is he's launched them on every Martian settlement, and which is going to be a big deal. Like, I don't know how you recover from that. I mean... Yeah, if he's done that, they have to be intercepted, otherwise... Yeah. Maybe they can... Maybe that's going to be... It's not going to be... It's may, Oh. They're not going to have to choose between May and the solar system, are they? Like, we got time to rescue May or fucking reprogram the protomolecule tubes. Can't do both, Holden. Mildly interesting. What are you going to do is Prax's eyes are turning to liquid in the background. Uh, Jesus. No, I, I do feel like he's firing on the fleet, but I suppose he could have just been dealing the what he considers the death blow to Mars. Yeah. yeah. And what would Aaron Wright think about that, too? Because that's the thing. That would be, like, Aaron Wright wants it for the power. Like, Wynn just uh-huh. wants to put Mars down. Yeah. Uh, so... I, I don't know. It's crazy. And down below on IO, the Rossinati breaches the door. The crew of the Rossinati breaches the doors just in time to see the pods being launched from ground view. And it's pretty cool. And mm-hmm. that's where we smash the black and the episode's <laughs> over. Holy yeah. shit. Uh, yeah, next week's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Next week's going to be real good. In fact, it feels finale-ish. Almost. Even yeah. though it's middle of the season. Yeah, I'm wondering if they're not finishing up uh, the second book oh, right. right now. Because... 
because they were like halfway through the second book when they ended season two. Right, right. So it makes sense that they halfway through season three they would get through uh, the second book. But I wonder what they'll use because like the Arbor Gas made a nice we'll little see. finale moment for last season, um, and like the Game of Thrones has had that problem too, where they're hmm. splitting a book up or trying to condense to and like where do you have the natural cliffhangers and the yeah. rise and like the rise and fall and the climax of the season needs to be one thing but the books are another so how do you how do you do you, you do that i have faith in them i think it's i think when they reveal the next uh proto molecule play mm-hmm. it's going to it's going to get people talking i wish you guys could see how smug jim is I, I'm trying not to be, but <laughs> no, I, but it's, it's so fucking good. I, it's just so yeah, good when yeah. when they do it in the books, and I I just can't wait to see your reaction. Honestly, yeah, when it happens, it's, it's fun. I've been on the other side of this. It's pretty. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Um. So that's all we got for the episode. Again, I thought this was a fucking great episode. Mm-hmm. Um. I am gratified. It seems like the ratings of this show are improving. Oh, are they? Uh. The subreddit is like has really exploded too, which is always that's one of honestly. One of the things we look at when we think if something's worth covering or not, like how big is its presence on Reddit mm-hmm. and the expanse, we just decided to give it a go because we like it so much. But like it's it's nice to see maybe the season, the show, this is the season the show really cements its place. Like it's getting could be like there was an article, uh, the 10 best shows you're not watching on television right now. The expanse made that list on, I think, io9. Um, it's getting nice. it's, it's getting like I, I will be happy when the Alan Seppenwalls and the Andy Greenwalds and the you know, Pony Wozniak's of the world start, if not writing a weekly feature, at least like expressing excitement when it comes back to season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause like, it does seem like the main, the quote unquote mainstream media media is uh, still not paying a lot of attention to it. They're sleeping, but fuck them. That's what you got po- podcast and, yeah. and the internet for uh, In- indie for life. <laughs> do we have expanse feedback that they could be sent to expanse at baldmove.com or our forums, forums.baldmove.com. Etc. Uh, we do. Before we get to feedback, I just want to tell you a little bit about Club, or maybe even Bald Move, because I know there's a lot of new listeners. Uh, this is a new show for us, The Expanse. Jim and I have been friends going all the way back to childhood, and we've been doing this podcasting thing for about eight, almost going on nine years. We've been doing it full-time for the last five, and the reason we're able to cover the breadth of shows uh, and the depth that we are is because people largely... Uh, support us at the club. If you go to club.baldmove.com, you can sign up and get bonus uh, content. You can get video versions of the podcast. You can get uh, spoiler versions of our movie reviews. You can get all kinds of things, ad-free feeds. You don't have to hear me ever pitch the club again. Uh, And right now we're offering 25% off new annual memberships by going to club.baldmove.com and using checkout code WW2018 at the checkout. Uh, again, for new annual memberships only, 25% off club.baldmove.com, WW2018, and help support your independent podcaster. We we have a couple of corrections, I'll say, from last week. Okay. Uh, one of them is, is absolutely a correction. The other one is like a correction with... Uh, Maybe also agreeing with us or or just cluing us in a little Can more. Can we recorrect them and then they'll put down our recorrection? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get shot. Yeah, so me no. neither. Me neither. Made uh, it 41 years of getting shot so far. All right. We start off with Guy who wants to uh, point out something that multiple people pointed out, but he was the first. Uh, he's rewatching the scene again where um, they board the KC and they find the, the Martian soldiers, sailors. Um, and he says that all the Martians are secured to the wall by meshing. 
Um, you know what? Also, there's a, one of the ensign's arms is floating, quote unquote floating. Yeah, so. I, I felt like an asshole because w- my wife was two episodes behind, so I watched last week's with her too, and that's the first thing I noticed. Like, uh, God damn it, there's yeah. like crashing it. I'd still think it was awkward, but yeah, I I I withtract my uh, my criticism. Yeah, so they do. They do try and like obey the laws of physics, you yeah, know, yeah. as much as possible when they depict these things. Uh, the, yeah, laws of physics not optional. Nah. And they're getting. They're definitely getting better. I, th- I think they're. Uh, I don't know. Uh, at, does it doesn't it seem like the Agatha King should have been in zero G at the end of that? Um, because I feel like that they that's were. A good question. I can't. I, remember. I can't remember if they actually achieved orbit or they were like slow. Like it. Yeah. I don't know because like I was kind of excited to get like a Star Trek Undiscovered Country you know globs of blood floating everywhere kind of like it you know zero g kind of uh mutiny that'd be a zero g mutiny yeah if this were a show that prided itself more on its visuals Mm -hmm. i think we probably would have gotten that scene by now just Mm -hmm. like a a gunfight in space in zero g where there's just blood i mean they did do the one shit the one guy that got his head taken off by the rail gun and like yeah the, yeah the first the, season the medic quote unquote so, medic so, so they can do it uh-huh. they just uh I, I wouldn't say they don't pride themselves it's just yeah that's expensive it is yeah uh okay last piece of email here which is less of a correction is from tb he says so you're correct the corvette class ships are the smallest naval ships equipped with an epstein drive uh, the Corvette-class ships are among the smallest naval ships of the MCRN, and as far as I remember from the books, the only smaller ship is the patrol-slash-fast-attack class that was represented by the Scipio Africanus early in Season 2. I don't remember that ship. Uh, so what's the... Because, like, I I was right. The KC was significantly smaller than the uh, than the Rasanati, and it still, yeah. yet it still has... Uh, so that's just an oversight? Well, he's no, he's he goes on here... Um, ah. I believe that's what we're seeing here. It's also possible that we shouldn't assume that that was an Epstein drive. Many of the ships in the Expanse universe use non-Epstein drives, um, like the Knight, the Canterbury shuttle, and the Anubis 1A shuttle from Season 1, to tool around the belt and the planetary systems. The Epstein is really only required for interplanetary travel, so I think it's plausible that as part of the Jupiter fleet, this ship would just patrol the Jovian system. Mm. Uh, And 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 they also make a point of, like, how old it is and, like... Also, they, I guess so, so they were staying within the Jupiter. They were, so, they, so does Rossinati have a conventional drive, or can they throttle the Epstein down slow enough for the KC to keep up with it? Uh, I don't know. Probably the latter. I, yeah, I assume the Epstein drive can be used I see a big, less I see than a 100%. Big, I guess I see, I see a big blue plume, and I assume Epstein oh, drive. Oh, absolutely it can, because they're, they're talking about how like we're going to do X amount of Gs all the time. Right, right, like right, right. High G burn versus... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a regular G. Okay, so they so the 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 KC with its low power drives were able to keep up with the the Rossinati, um, I guess. I mean, all you got. Well, do... they didn't need to keep up, did they? Well, they were tethered together, and they they talked. Yeah, but about... the Rossi can can scale back its drives. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But they also have to be at least a one G acceleration, or mm-hmm. uh, they're. Gravity doesn't work. At least some G. Oh, yeah. I guess that's true. Like you they could do Martian to, gravity. They could be doing or not gravity belter or, gravity rather. Yeah. yeah. All uh, right. Yeah. So he he does think it's plausible. Um, also, he he says, as I understand it, the Epstein drive is largely about efficiency more than outright thrust. I believe that the conceit is that the previous right. drives were limited because they consumed drive mass too quickly to be able to achieve velocities as high as the Epstein. Um, could be that and a little production sloppiness mixed in. Right. 
Okay. Well, I mean, that's, you know, like I said, I, I just, just trying to decide whether, I mean, that, yeah, it all sounds reasonable. Yeah, it does. Uh, and I'm, I appreciate those answers because I did not have them, certainly. Uh, but that's it for feedback. Cool. I, there was a lot of discussion about last episode, but it was mostly stuff that we discussed. So. Well, that makes sense because last episode was more of like a scene, like a table setting episode. Yeah. Um, this was more of like, I guess still more the same, <laughs> but like the... It doesn't feel like it. They'd set the table and then yanked the tablecloth from underneath and next next week is going to be the <laughs> plates and and dishes and forks all crashing to the floor. Exactly. Um, it seems it seems pretty awesome. Yep. Uh, so if you'd like to send us feedback, you can do so at expanse at baldmove.com. Again, you can also uh, hit up our forums. We have a thread up in advance of each episode each week that you can discuss with your fellow Expanse fans on our forum. Um, but yeah, no, thanks for listening. Thanks for stopping by. We'll have the next episode out as the episode drops. Um, and until next week, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.